0: You're listening to the Two Bucks Podcast, the podcast for outdoor entrepreneurs. Little by little, I was getting the sense of, my time isn't my time. Just kept doing
1: this pull to the outdoors and wanting to do something in the outdoor space.
0: Welcome to the Two Bucks Podcast, the podcast for outdoor entrepreneurs. I'm your host Brian Krebs and with me today is Jim Kupachek, the founder of Accurate Archery. Jim, how are you doing today, man?
1: Great, Brian. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate that.
0: I'm glad you're here. So we met at Game Fair a few weeks ago now and I stumbled by your booth and was really interested in what you're doing. Um, Give folks a quick Intro to what is Accurate Archery.
1: Accurate Archery is a easy product to bolt onto your bow. It has one screw that mounts it. It is a yardage marker tape light. So in low light situations, early morning, late evening, ground blind hunting, tree houses, uh, you able to light up your yardage marker tape.
0: Perfect. And... And so what people might be used to seeing is that we've had lights on the pins for a while, right? And then we've had fiber optic wraps around your housing for a while, but there's been nothing on the tape itself to see if you have a slider, you know, am I dialed at 20 or 30? I can't remember, I can't see, right? That's what we're talking about.
1: That's what we're exactly talking about, you know, because, um, you know, there's approximately 4.6 three million bow hunters in the United States and bow hunting is considered, you know, more challenging than gun hunting. Um, the season for, for, um, archery hunting is, is so much longer that people that have limited time, you know, they prefer to do archery because they get, uh, three plus months to go out there. Uh, you can kind of pick your day, but, um, you know, bow hunting can can involve early mornings, late evening, ground blinds hunting, and many sportsmen enjoy techno hunting, uh, virtual hunting for game. And it's kind of in a darkened room, and uh, the challenges always seem to be that the deer seem to come out in the low light situations. They're just not out there at 12 o'clock noon. It's not what they do. Um, you can be out there at noon, which isn't a bad idea, but Um, Yeah, using, you know, your range finder, you can can range your your target animal and then you go to turn your dial and it's like, well, the conditions are just a little too low light and you can't see your dial in order to make that accurate shot on your animal. So this light will help you it's, it's a reasonable product cost $29.95 and we spend so much money on bows and it's it weighs less than an ounce and it, uh, it will illuminate your tape for any low light situation. I have used it. I've given it to a lot of friends. They just think it's the greatest thing because it's just one more tool to make that accurate shot and not wound an animal or not have an opportunity at a, at a trophy buck because you can't see your yardage tape correctly.
0: That's awesome. Um, I'm assuming you've got a story involved with how you came up with the idea. How did you how did you start Accurate Archery? Is there a, a personal experience there?
1: There absolutely is. A couple of years back, I was sitting in a turkey blind and um, here comes a nice Tom and I ranged him and he's at about 35 yards. And I look at my bow and I'm like, I can't see my tape. I mean, you got this bright window in front of you, and it's like you're, you know, looking into an aquarium, but you you can't, I couldn't see my tape. And I'm like, I, I passed on the shot because you know, I'm like, well, do I grab my phone? You know, what do I do? Well, by then it was it was too late. So that was my personal experience with. Um, the first time it happened to me. And so I'm a toolmaker by trade. So of course, I went back to work uh, the next day and uh, did a little government job and uh, whipped up one out of aluminum with a bunch of different pivots on it. and I put it on my bow and tried a few different you know things and it mounts really easy to your drop away rests or if your whisker biscuit, or if you have the newer style bows that has the integrated uh, dovetail on your bow, uh, it'll mar- mount right in the burger hole that you would normally put your uh, drop away rest. Um, and so, I bolted it on, and I'm like, "This is this is great in a ground blind. I can see because everybody's got a pin light. I mean, you can turn your pin light on. And I got my one pin, and um, it it works so well. Uh, literally." I think it was when deer season came. Um, I was up in my tree stand and I it was, sun went down. You got a half an hour left to, to see, and just about the time that you know you're thinking, well, I can't see my stuff anymore. Here come a really nice buck. And I was able to turn on my my he came in at about 30 yards. I had my mine set at 20. I turned on my light, dialed at the 30 and made the shot and got a really, really nice, nice deer. I mean, for my area and Stacy here, what you see behind me, we're, we've got bigger deer, but it's kind of, um, average size and, and, uh, that, I mean, it, it made my shot without it. I wouldn't have been able to do it.
0: That's awesome. So are you turning the light on as soon as sunset hits for that last half hour, regardless, or do you Wait,
1: Yeah. No, I usually turn it on because the way the light is designed, it's like kind of a bluish light. Mm -hmm. It's not a bright light. And um, it, it, I have the bow here. It, um, if you turn on, I don't know if you'll be able to see it real well, but that's probably real reflective with a camera, but it's actually, it's pointing up. So if you are outside in a, in a tree stand or something or a ground blind or whatever, it's not shining forward to, uh, I mean, we've all got lights, you know, that light up our pin, Yeah, there's our pin light, you know, and and now you can do both. And so it really adds to the ability um, to make that accurate shot later in the evening when it seems like everything comes out.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you have a farm where the deer come out at noon, I wanna know where you hunt because <laughs> that's not our you
1: farm. <laughs> no, it's not where I hunt.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I was going to ask about the orientation. If you've ever seen a deer see the light and get spooked, but it looks like you've taken some due diligence to make sure that's not going to happen.
1: Yeah. And some of the newer, uh, if you go on my website, accurate archery.com, there's a gallery in there and, um, you can see how all the different mounts are. And, uh, I have another one to put on there. I was, uh, at Larry Smith's hunting camp a couple weeks ago and we were supposed to shoot does because they have way too many and um one of the guys not only did he he's got a newer style bow and so he's got three fixed pins and then one uh the third the third one actually slides up and down okay so it's actually i'm wrong two fixed pins and then the third one moves and i said well can i have your bow and see if i can uh if i can make my light fit it well it it was able, I was able to put it up higher shining because you can do it left hand or right. Um, and it it lit up his pins as well as his tape because he doesn't have the ability to put a pin light on. So he, he got both the tape and the pins and he used it while we were there to kill a couple of deer in a ground blind. So um, it was kind of an added benefit that it shined on the tape as well as his fixed pins. So it worked out really well for him. and that'll be on my gallery as well. That's
0: awesome. It sounds like I mean, it's always cool when you have one product that can that can do multiple different things, right? Yes. Awesome. it is.
1: And this was no this wasn't known to me until just a couple of weeks ago because I hate, I'm not real familiar with the fixed pin um, where they have a couple of fixed and one adjustable. That's kind of you know new to me and uh, it's kind of a neat scenario. I like the idea, and to be able to light up both of those things at one time uh, really made a huge difference for him. He was very happy.
0: Yeah, my bow is a, I have the HHA King pin, and then I swap my housing out with a three pin housing. So I have three pins, but the whole housing slides, and so all three of my pins move, and I just use my top pin as my slider, so that sure. way, if I dial to 100 with my top pin, my bottom pin is somewhere, I don't know, 116. You lose a couple of yards. It's, you know, 20, 30, okay. 40 when I'm at 20. Sure. And the point sure. was, is like, if I'm in a tight situation and I don't have time to range and and slide, I can do 20, 30, and 40. But if I'm sure. out west elk hunting and I want to make right. sure I'm, I'm exact on, especially shooting farther than 40, or, you know, with whitetails, if I have time, I'm going to dial to 24. I'm not going to guess where 24 is right and so right. I love and, it
1: and, yep I'm that way as well I I I feel in order to make that uh, ethical shot you you really you know you can't be just winging it out there it's not like a rifle where you put the crosshairs on something and pull the trigger from anywhere from 10 yards to you know 100 yards or more there it's you need to be precise so you don't wound that animal and you can find that deer after it's been shot.
0: And I also find that before I went to a slider and you had to do, you know, 25 yards. Well, it's actually not halfway between 20 and 30, right? Because it's, it's an exponential decay on your flight, right? You, you yeah. lose inches more as you go. So, it, you know, halfway between is really more like 26, 27. And I was finding that it's hard to look at a pin and put it somewhere where you don't want the arrow to go right like to hold an offset is kind of hard with your mind because you know exactly where you want the arrow to go and your mind wants to bring that pin down where you want the arrow to be and that's what i found with the slider that's what i love about dialing is i can always put that pin right where i want it
1: right where you want it yes yeah that's cool it's it's such a it's such a rewarding scenario that if you've done your due diligence and you've made the adjustment and you make that shot uh, and you find you're recovered deer, it's like, you know what, you, you took the time to do it correctly.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, I had the opposite experience this last weekend. I took the time, ranged it, dialed. It was a doe, 22 yards, dialed 22. I mean, most people don't have to dial the difference right. between 20 and 22, but I did. Oh. All on camera, took the shot. I aimed for the low double lung, the doe duck just enough. The arrow hits. It looks like something might have happened. The fletching, it, the, the I found the, it was a pass through. I found the arrow. It, okay. the, the broadhead was a little dinged up, and um, I waited an hour. Thought it was a done deal. Jumped it. Went back. Backed out. Looked at the film. I was like, I don't understand. But I'll come back in the morning. Came back in the morning, and it, and it, Right, right after I shot. Ten minutes after I shot, there's a coyote on the blood trail, oh, sniffing. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I drew back and I shoot, shot at the coyote, 40-yard shot. He ducked the arrow just by an inch, which happens. And oh, then yeah. fast. five minutes after that, a different coyote came in from a different direction. And so I tried to shoot. I went to re-put another arrow in. Now, by this time, I'm starting to get a little low on arrows. And he right. saw me move he, and he ran off. And then a couple minutes later, I saw two coyotes come from a similar direction. So that might have been one of the same, but there's at least three coyotes In the food plot that I was hunting, within 30 minutes of shooting that doe, and so that blood, yeah, they were on the trail. One, the one smelled the trail. He was on the trail, and I scared him. So I'm sure he remembered that. He's like, "I got to get out of here while he's shooting at me," but I'm gonna come back because I remember there was a there was a meal there. And we came back in the morning, and it was evident that doe was being pushed. She never stopped. There was fresh coyote sign on the blood trail. We lost blood after uh, three, 400 yards in the canary grass in the swamp. And just, sure. it, it was the opposite. It was not that, um, it wasn't that feeling of success. And, and when you do it all right, it's like, I did it all right. And it didn't work. And I, you know, I'm looking at the film. I showed it to everyone I know. And they're all like, yeah, it's a dead deer. Go find it. And I'm like, it wasn't dead. I don't get it.
1: No kidding. Yeah. Wow. We had a similar scenario this weekend with my daughter in law. I put her, set her up in my ground blind and, uh, I had to attack the cam. I'm like, don't forget to turn this on, you know? And she had had a broadside six pointer and it was palmated, really kind of cool. I had seen it on my trail cam. And um, she, she, we had just practiced. She was doing really good at 20 and 30 yards. Um, and she made the shot. She called me right away. And this is out in my backyard right here in Stacy. And uh, I said, well, you know, how do you feel about the shot? She's like, I feel good. I'm like okay well I'll come out you know and I walked out and it was it was just about dark dark and her arrow wasn't there so and there was blood we probably should have tracked right then and there we decided to wait cuz she she did have a little revelation on whether she had used her 20 yard pin or her 30 yard pin for a 20 yard shot okay and I'm like let's just wait you know that's not a big deal well we got up early, went out there, the blood trail, we should have went because it was coming out both sides, but the arrow was still in the deer. We finally found the arrow about a hundred yards later and we found the deer and it was actually walked back to the house. It was only like 50 yards from my house and the coyotes had found it Oh no! and they had eaten both of the hind quarters out of it and the lower jaw, the tongue and all that stuff. So the, I mean, we got the deer, she got her first buck, but just like your story i mean those those deer if they get wounded they don't stand a chance with the amount of coyotes that are out there it's ridiculous yeah so, i was
0: really bummed i didn't get the one coyote i wish i mean yeah. and i had that on film too it was going right at his head and then the last yep. second he ducked it
1: it's amazing you know now was your deer when you shot at what is was this head down or up
0: um its head was not looking at me I remember that because I've had such a bad experience when I was learning to bow hunt of shooting Uh does while they were looking at me and so I I wrote that off no matter what distance unless it's (laughs) if it's less than 10 yards I'll I'll take that shot if I'm already at full draw I mean usually if they're looking at you at 10 yards you're not going to get to full draw no
1: no
0: um and so I remember her head was her head was down and feeding and she took a step with her left leg. I've reviewed the footage so much. Um yeah. I think her head was down and she was feeding. And at twenty-two yards, I'm shooting a Matthews Halon. Sure. I have a heavy arrow, but it it you know it should have been plenty fast enough to to make up for that distance. Here I have the it.
1: only reason I asked that question is because I just watched a video of an arrow flight coming at a deer with its head up and one with its head down yeah. and when when their head is down their ability to cock and duck is is so much faster than if it's up and looking around and I never knew that that you're it's it can duck an arrow easier with its head down check it out uh look it up on YouTube it's a it's a little um uh segment on on how deer can duck an arrow and in the down when their head is down they can duck it so much faster it's crazy I interesting
0: so so what we're saying is obviously not head up looking at you that's probably not good right. but head right. up looking away yeah I have the video right here um yeah. her head is down and actually facing slightly away I don't know if you can see that.
1: Pretty, I can yeah it's, it's down it just it just shows that it uh how yeah. fast they can move it's re it's unbelievable
0: yeah she only moved in the last couple feet of aero flight right yeah I'll have to keep that in mind next time and see if I can wait until she's like looking up and away
1: right I mean it was just something that's on the videos and it's like wow they really can load that quickly and duck down to spring and it, it just blew my mind it's fractions of a second yeah it's, it's just yeah
0: I read an article that Chuck Adams wrote about the time a deer can react and the time your arrow takes to flight. And it's not even close for people that say, I want to shoot a faster bow. So they can't duck my arrow. It's like, it ain't going to work. I mean, like it it might help, but it ain't going to solve it. And so I've, I've switched to just shooting low heart shots and I thought 20 yards, I didn't have to, that was the, that was the mistake I made was I thought I didn't need to shoot a low heart and I could do a double lung. Yep. and it, it didn't work, so I guess I'll have to go back to the the heart shot, and then if they duck, you do get the duck, double. Yeah,
1: right. If they duck, you got you still got the double lung. Mm-hmm. That's like, cool. You know, we learn. That's the thing about bow hunting is you learn something every single time you go out there because usually it's something you you oh it's like boy did I just do that, and and I should have done this, but it's already over with. Yeah, and usually it's
0: is. learning things that don't work.
1: Right, exactly. You learn every single time. But yeah, it's uh it was uh it was a good weekend. It was it was wonderful to have my daughter in law get her first year. This is her third year trying. And um it, it's fun to experience that with someone who has tried so hard and, and and finally succeeds. And uh it's kind of a cool palmated, you know, six pointer. Wonder what it would have looked like when it got big just because it's got that really big palmation on both sides so but we'll never know
0: (laughs) yeah we'll never know we'll never know so you said that you know you had that turkey hunting experience and then you went to work you had the skills in your back pocket to to build something but how how long did it take to go from the first product that you tested on your bow to Mm -hmm. the final product that you're shipping today I mean what was that process to like actually make it marketable and and polish it up
1: So what ended up happening is, um, after some people that I, you know, my pro staff members now they, uh, they saw it and they're like, well, Hey, can you put a hole here? Cause then it'll fit my bow. And pretty soon it ended up that I I started with like two holes and now I have six and it makes it much more adjustable. And, and the, the, the thing was, is like getting people's input, looking at as many bows as I could. And I'm good friends with, with the guys up at Full Draw, Willie and, and Jason and those guys. they have just been so good to me. Uh, they would give me bows. I'd say, can I take that bow and then look at my product and see what I need to do? So they've been just huge help for me. And my product is up there at Full Draw. And um, they, they allowed me to test it out on so many different bows. Well, being a tool maker... I then decided because it looked like people wanted this, um, I made a two cavity mold and um, I have uh, friends in the industry, which makes a big difference, obviously. Uh, We made it, I had a friend help me do the CAD models and we kept making, looking at it and seeing what we could do and came up with this. got a molding house. We built a two cavity mold, got a molding house to mold it over in Wisconsin. And then getting it out there seemed to be the hardest part, the packaging. I do it all here, right at my house. Um, the advertising trying to get out there. And in, so I, uh, I sent a email to Larry Smith as I've been watching him on TV for so long. He's like my hero, the guy gets to fish and hunt 365 days a year. And, uh, he, he contacted me about a month and a half and he was apologizing for the fact that he didn't get back to me sooner. And I'm like, I know how busy you are, you know, it's okay. And I told him about the product and I sent him some and he he called me and he just loved it. And they put it on a, sh- on a podcast for me with him and his guys. And um, that turned into him coming to my house in May. And we did a turkey hunt in the backyard and it's pretty funny, it's on Larry Smith Outdoors, um, An Accurate Archie, a turkey hunt, because for like the seventh time, Larry misses a turkey with his bow. Um, there's there's videos of him shooting all his arrows, running out of arrows, not at, not at mine, on one of his other podcasts. Um, but the the turkey was so close, it had a huge beard, he could have reached out with his bow through the blind and hit the thing with his bow. It was that close and he never took the shot. He wanted to wait until it got on the decoys and it didn't happen. And so the next day it was my turn. Um, and after sitting in the blind, I, I didn't miss mine. Um, after sitting in the blind with Larry for three days we kind of hit it off. And now we talk, you know, once a week and see how things are going. And he invited me to his hunting camp. And I, I've met so many incredibly cool people Pat Magnolero from uh, Meg's Custom Rods um, and uh, the Barnett Blind guys, the um, Mike and Levi. Um, I mean, the CEO of companies I am met just because of my product. And it's, that to me has been the greatest experience with this. Um, it, it just meeting great people. I mean, like yourself, Brian, if I wouldn't have gone to the Anoka Game Fair, I mean, um, I would have never met you. Um, it, it's just it's just incredible the amount of people. It's, it's a small group, but yet it's not a small group of people. And every time I go to a show, I seem to make another friend. I, I work with the guys from Trekking Outdoors who are also on the Sportsman channel he just, I met him at the ATA show when I introduced it in uh, January of this year and we became friends and he's got my product on his bow and it's, you know, so now it's gotten a national TV and it, it's, it's a, it's one of those tools you can put on your bow. It doesn't add weight. It makes a situation that might be, you could make a questionable shot into a situation where you can now make a a good shot because you know that you can see your tape. And uh, yeah, the whole experience has been incredible. It really has.
0: That's awesome. I like how you talked about it was, it was hard to get the product out there. Like building it was okay. I knew how to do that, but then getting it out there and getting people to see it and an exposure and advertising. Right. That was the challenge. I think a lot of people feel that same way.
1: And, and it's the amount of money. A lot of people um, wouldn't be able to afford to get someone like Larry Smith to put it on his show. I mean, they don't do these, even if they love your product, they still have to make a living. Right. And so they're, they're advertising for you uh, and they're great people to have on your side. But they also expect um, some money <laughs> for doing it. I mean, nothing in life is free.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Have you noticed? It sounds like you've tried a lot of things podcasts, shows. Um, you were at, you know, kind of game fair. Um, yep. Have you noticed things that work better than others, you know, I relatively, have. you know, for what I you put into it?
1: I think the the people, that you meet that put you on their podcasts or advertise your product on national TV, like Trekking Outdoors has mine on there, but it's just a short, like three second blurb of accurate Archery. So we're actually doing a 18 second commercial uh, that'll start in December on national TV with Trekking Outdoors. And I think that national exposure obviously is the most expensive, but it also seems to be the best payoff um meeting people, you know um I think I need to concentrate more on the archery, just archery shows the the Anoka County Game Fair was was nice because I met more people but selling the product it was more ducks and and dogs and and uh, bird fowl. it was it wasn't as much archery. Um, and I think that I need to stick more towards, uh, the archery uh, shows, uh, if I can, you know, go to those, like Bowfest. Yep. I'm trying to get into Bowfest, and they have the archery challenge. And I've got two spots now: one in Michigan, and one in uh, South Dakota. I'm going to be at the archery challenge shows, and that deals strictly with bow hunters. And I I think that's where I need to focus my attention. If I'm going to spend the money, I need to see if i can get more bang for my buck um go into those type
0: yeah the 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 step to take when you start spending money on advertising is a big step and i think it's a it's something you know i was very hesitant to do it with bull elk beard oil i think a lot of people are hesitant because if you don't come from an advertising and marketing background it seems like it's a great way to throw money away
1: right yes it is
0: have you did you see, you know, without getting into the specific numbers, but when you did deals like the national TV deals or the Larry Smith deals, did you see that investment recoup what you put into it? Or did it take some time to, to recoup that investment? And is there, in your own thoughts, is there ways that you could, you know, shorten that timeline or do it in another way? Did you learn anything that you're going to do a little differently after that? How to t- tell us a little bit about that.
1: I think patience is probably the biggest thing. I'm getting exposure. It's such a new product. You know, until you have it on your bow and you really, you know, use it. Um, people are always hesitant to put something else on their bow, uh, even though they spend so much money on other things. And this one is, you know, under 30 bucks. And it, it's, I think that I'm, getting the right exposure, but I am not seeing the return yet. Um, I am still getting response though, from like Larry's shows and trekking outdoors shows. I'll get someone that'll call me because my personal phone number is on the website and it, people call me and they're like, oh man, where have you been? This is the greatest thing. I'm so glad that someone came up with this. And, and, and those are the people that make you feel good because you, you answered a need that they had. And, and I think that with more exposure being that I just started in January, I think I have a good product. I believe that um, it will go somewhere. And I, uh, but I think it's going to take time. I, I think time is, is what I gotta, I gotta wait
0: yeah, time time is a very real aspect of starting anything worthwhile. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen it, overnight.
1: No, it does not. And I met Pat Magdalaro, Magnal Magnolero from Mag Custom Rods down at Larry Smith's uh, hunting camp, and he started making fishing rods in his garage as uh, seven years ago, and he is now. Um, a multi-million dollar corporation 7 years later with seven employees building rods almost 24/7 he got an order from from Eskimo and he and it took 7 years you know for his business to to like really get out there and and he's just a super nice guy and uh yeah he he wants me to help him sell fishing rods at the uh at the ice fishing show here in, in, in Minnesota. I'm like, sure, I'll help you.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Is he from Minnesota?
1: He is way in the UP, as far up there as you can get.
0: Okay. Wow, that's yeah. a long cool. ways
1: up there. It is a long ways up there.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Are you, are you doing Accurate Archery full-time or is there a, a desire to take it full-time at some point?
1: I would love to, it seems to take a lot more time than I ever imagined. It literally is another full-time job. And um, I think that uh, if you give it enough attention, uh, just like your podcast, if you, can, if you can give this stuff enough attention, that also will, will help you and make it grow. And, and I do it every chance I get. You know, you uh, you talk to you and I'm like, I would love to be on your podcast because it's more exposure. You've got, you know, 20 plus thousand followers, that's 20 more thousand people that don't know that there's a light that you can put on your bow to help you, you know?
0: Yeah, that's a, it's a powerful aspect of starting a business is just making connections, meeting people, you never know when that next connection could be the one that really changes things. And I'm Correct. not saying I'm going to be that connection for you, but you never know, right? I mean, you put it on and you never know who's had that pain. I, I really do believe that if someone has ever felt that pain of of not being able to adjust their single pin slider or they try to like zoom, you know, bring it closer to their face and adjust it and the deer sees yes. that and busts, it's not going to take them very long to put a $30 piece of equipment on their bow, to never no, have I mean, that again.
1: They're trying to get their phone out of their pocket, you know, to try and shine it. Well, you're shining a bright beam straight ahead. That's not a good idea. No, it's you know? not gonna work. No, it's not gonna work. I they, mean, I got, uh, I've got my, I, I've got my product here. This is what it looks like. It comes with everything you need uh, to mount it. The 516 spine fine thread for your burger hole spacers, whether they're inside or out. Sometimes you need to move it forward or back comes with batteries in the light already. And an, I give you an extra set of batteries because if you forget and leave it on, just put those in your backpack and you'll be good to go. Cause it takes three and they're hearing aid batteries is what they are. They're the A47s. Okay. So you have everything you need for that 2995.
0: Did you, when you were developing the the light, did you find Mm -hmm. off the shelf components for like the light source or did you have to customize the light source in a way to be able to package it in the rest of the assembly?
1: I found that you can get this light. um, A a lot of the archery um, lights will fit. It's a, it's a three ACE fine thread um, that is on there. And if you go and buy, a Primo's light or whatever—they will have adapters. I, I think you've probably seen them. You'll get like three different pieces in your little light assembly, and one of them will screw into mine as well. So if for some reason you don't, you know, like this type of a light, you can put a push-button light on it. Um, I give a money-back guarantee, made right here in the USA, and if someone doesn't like their product or something's wrong with it, I will replace it or refund their money. I stand behind it. Like I said, I make it in my garage. So every every light is tested like four times because I'm handling the light that many times.
0: <laughs> there you go. Everyone knows it's going to be a good quality product. And that's the nice thing yeah. about when you're still in control of everything, you can really focus on the quality. Once you get to the point where you're starting to scale and hire people and you have to give up a little bit of your grip on the quality and you're just going to have to accept the fact that we might get a call every now and then a bolt was missed and that's the one they needed, or we forgot the spare battery. It happens. You know, if you can just have great customer service, you could actually probably turn some of those situations into a a repeat customer in the
1: future. And if like on my product, on the, uh, on, like I said, on the, on the back of the product uh, is the, is the um, email address and, and my phone number. So um, if you got a problem, you know, give me a call. I'll be happy to help you. If you're having trouble figuring out how to mount it, I'll be happy to do a FaceTime with somebody and say, okay, you can put it here or use this hole. It's I'm, I'm out there. I want to help people to, so that I help myself in both, in both ways. I I'll help you get it on there and get it right so it works for you and that just makes it look like I'm I care about the product which I do.
0: Yeah. Um I had a question so my housing has the external fiber optics wrapped around the housing to try to capture more yep. external light. If you yep. shine the light on a way so that it hits my sight tape but also hits the side of those wraps would that light mm-hmm. up my pin?
1: It should do that. And that's how it worked for uh, Levi from Barnett Blinds when we were down at uh, Larry Smith Outdoors. He, I was able to shine it and it literally hit his tape and his pins uh, by the way that it mounted on his bow. And he had a brand new Matthews V3, I believe is what the bow was. And there was a 1032 mounting hole up a little higher that wasn't being used. And just like I said, the screws, you get an 832, a 1024, a 1032, and the 516's 24. So some one of those screws will fit in a hole on your bow because that pretty much covers everything they use on a bowl
0: oh yeah yeah there's all kinds of places to mount stuff these days on bows so that's pretty easy have you so you said you started in january so we're almost a full year
1: Yeah, getting there
0: things are probably starting to to feel a little settled, right? Not that they aren't busy, but you're getting into a, a groove and you're and you're rocking and rolling. Is there th- any thoughts of a second or third or fourth product idea for Accurate Archery?
1: Absolutely. Um, I've been looking at trying to incorporate uh, fiber optic instead of a light and shine uh, a light into the fiber optic to make it more adjustable. Uh, so you can mount it and keep the light pinpointed uh, on your dial or on your pins, whichever you prefer. So I am looking at at a new style and uh, that one's in the works. Um, This one is available at like full draw, A1 Archery, Boana Archery, Average Joes. It's in Hawaii. When I went to Hawaii to go, uh, I brought some product with, and it's on Maui at at, uh, Hawaii Hunters. The guy loved my product. He, um, actually bought all the ones I bought uh, that I brought with me and he mounted on on Joe Rogan has his brother. When they went to Hawaii hunting, it was put on Joe Rogan's brother's uh, bow for archery hunting while they were there. So, you know, all that kind of stuff, that one more person that, that, that put it on there. And, um, I I think that just getting out more and more and more people is, um, I try and get it in all kinds of shops when we were at the um, the uh, first show, which was at the uh, the archery, um, oh no, I can't think of the name of it in January. they I met so many different people that were all trying to do the same type of thing I was doing in the innovation booth. Um, and it was, it was just cool to see all these people with these great ideas, just trying to get in the market and, and they have good products and it's just at the ATA show, it's just, you know, but you have to pay to go to the shows, you know, and you gotta, and, and like a provisional patent, um, that patent, I believe lasted one year and it was about, almost $4,000 to get a provisional patent. You got to find a lawyer. And um, now I have the full patent. And I believe I'm into the, just patenting your product. I am into it for a little under $15,000. So, you know, you you got the building of the product, you got all the pieces that go in it, all the labeling, all the bags, um, trying to source out because now with shortages I mean, sometimes it's hard to get. Just my lights are are in short supply. It's like everybody's either holding on to what they got, or or they don't have any that are made. So there's a lot of stuff to deal with when you're when you're trying to put a product out there that I never even realized until I started doing it.
0: Yeah, I learned a lot as well um, when I started Bull Elk Beard Oil, which is directly why I started the podcast is to help share everything that I've learned and other people have learned so that they can start a lot faster and a lot easier. But yeah, you're yeah. right. Um, you know, I knew how to make beard oil. Right. I didn't know how to make a website. Well now did
1: you, did you come up with, I mean, what I obviously you got a big beard, but yeah. what, what, what happened there? I'd like to hear that.
0: Um, well, I guess the story goes all the way back to, you know, I started getting really thin hair in my early twenties. And by 23, I think I just said, you know what, I'm just going to shave it, you know, whatever. I'll make the decision before the decision makes it for me. And then when I did that, I was like, well, I'm going to grow out my beard kind of offset. And so I started growing out my beard and I started, I think I bought a couple other beard products along the way. And I was like, I, you know, I'm kind of a DIYer. I like to build my own stuff. And I started looking at building my own beard oils and it was going pretty well it was working and then i took that next step to you know make them smell good on top of that which are two completely separate things like a beard oil a a perfectly functioning beard oil that would make your beard feel great and look great doesn't need any scent at all i mean that that's just personal preference so but you got to have it if you want a product that's marketable right no one's gonna buy it if it doesn't smell good as well and so i started mixing up some scents and that's not easy i mean i'm i'm And I have an entire arsenal of essential oils, which is really funny for a guy like me to have. um, And I'm mixing things like jasmine with with frankincense and and all kinds of stuff, bergamot and trying to come up with stuff that smells good. I got these little vials and I'd shake them up and, hey, does this smell good? And they're like, ooh, no, that doesn't smell good. And it's like, yeah, I didn't think (laughs) so. And eventually I got to some that I liked and then I started handing out samples and people were liking it. You know, hey, yeah, this works good. It smells good you're onto something here. And at the same time, I was, um, I've told the story on the podcast before. So some people I'll shorten it up a little bit, but at the same time I was, um, going out West, I had a once in a lifetime elk tag. And so I was spending a lot of time glassing and it was about four hours out there. So I was spending a lot of time behind the windshield and really just starting to wonder if I wanted to retire with my day job in 40 years, or if I wanted to find a way to not have you know the you know i don't want to wait for the gold watch right Right. and so what am i going to do how am i going to start a business what's going to work what's not going to work all those questions but i had the desire and then eventually you know i really landed on me when i shot my bull and i walked up to him that he had his the dark fur on his on his neck i don't know if you can see the picture behind me over the corner but um he was a nice bull and he had a lot of dark brown fur peak rut and it was all raining so it was all beat it up and like dreads and, and it looked really rugged. And that's when it hit me right. to do bowl elk beard oil. And it's, you know, it's the same thing as another beard oil company. We make high quality beard oil. It's all made here in the USA. You can read the label and know exactly what's in it. There's no scientific names. There's no secrets, right? It's, you know, sure. pronounceable oils. You're like, Oh, okay. I know what that is. Clean, very clean ingredients, very simple. But the difference is We're an outdoor company. You know, we're going to unashamedly support the Second Amendment, outdoors, hunting and fishing, conservation. We're not going to cower to the politically correct. You know, that's who we are. That's who I am. That's who I want to shop at Bullock Beard Oil. I don't care about marketing to San Francisco and L.A. I know that there's 50 million people in California. It doesn't matter to me. I'm only going to care about the hunting and the fishing, the outdoorsmen. And if they're in California, great. But I'm not going right. to, you know, try to try to hit all these demographics of people that just aren't interested in what we are interested in. I want to focus on sure. what we're interested in, um, be able to do fundraisers. One of the next goals for the business is to get 2% certified. So 2% for conservation, that organization. Um, nice. Yeah, so that's kind of where it all started. And then I learned, had to learn a lot of things, like you said, that's not just building beard oil. I mean, I knew how to bottle and and label. I had to learn how to build websites. I learned, had to learn how to build email accounts, how to do automated emails for the, for order confirmations, for marketing, had to learn about taxes and what kind of organization I was gonna create and all kinds of stuff that you'd never thought you were gonna do.
1: No, and you know, I never imagined, so, my product is federally taxed even though it it's not a gun it's not an arrow it's not a bow it's not a bow release um because it assists in the um taking of potential taking of an animal it, the feds get their get their uh 11 percent of mine
0: yeah it, what's the name it's not lazard sams it's um I should know this. I've listened to enough Newberg podcast. It's the back in the day when, when conservation was a priority and sportsmen said the only way to fix this is to put money at it. So they voted themselves in a tax, right? The excise tax on sporting goods. There was, you know, us as sportsmen asked for it because we wanted that money to go towards conservation. And yeah, yeah. 11%. A lot of people don't know that your brand new shotgun, 11% of that's just to support conservation.
1: And you don't see it because it's in the end cost. Yeah. Um, for me, I have to basically take it right out of the top of my of my cost, um, my 11%. So it's kind of like, man, alive, 11% seems like a lot, you know, compared to a state tax.
0: It sure does. Yeah. Yeah. Your local taxes add up to what, four and a half percent? Probably something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I didn't know this when I started the business, but apparently cosmetics have very good lobbyists because there's almost no regulation. There's no excise taxes. There's no, I don't need to be FDA certified because it's not a consumption product. Um, So that was like, Oh sweet. (laughs) Don't have to do any (laughs) of that stuff. And then it's also a consumable, right? It's a, it's like a one month period. One to two months is usually the, how fast somebody would go through it maybe three it all depends on how much they use it some sure. i've had friends that say yeah i only wear it for date night it's like okay
1: cool
0: right well i hope you look okay. good for your date night so i'm glad you yeah. wear it then um and other people say yeah, i wear it every day and it lasts a month sure. and so it's consumable which is nice because then you have an avenue for recurring customers nice yeah i didn't know all that when i picked it it just happened to be that way
1: yeah. You, uh, you learn an awful lot and that's what ends up taking so much more of your time. It's like, okay, now you find that out. Now you got to research it and figure out, okay, does this apply to me or doesn't it? And so far, everything I've researched, everything applies to me. I'm giving somebody money from every corner.
0: Yeah. I probably, you're probably pretty happy when you asked, you know, what's the charge to be on the podcast. And I said, I don't charge anyone to show yeah, up.
1: You ex- <laughs> exactly.
0: Good. Um, yeah, some people do. Yeah, well, I'm not there yet, and I, I don't think I ever want to be there. I, I think there's other ways I can do value besides charging the guests. So um, right. if you're listening to this and you have your own outdoor business, feel free to reach out and come on the show. So, But, yeah, you do end up yeah. learning a lot. I remember one of the things I learned I struggled with the most actually was taxes on how to collect and, and do sales tax but also income taxes, and I eventually just hired an accountant. And yep. then um, – Shipping internationally, shipping to Canada. I don't, have you taken that step yet?
1: I have not shipped out of the country. You know,
0: It's, there's, that's one of the things that I was like, I spent so much time on this for how simple it really is. And I don't know if you're using any type of platform, any type of e-commerce platform to, to order your, or to do your order management, but we use Shopify and that does a lot of the heavy lifting for us.
1: I have it just on my website. Um, So it's on uh, PayPal and uh, you can use your credit card. Um, It's, and I've heard, I've heard good things about Shopify. I have.
0: Yeah, I would 100% recommend Shopify to anyone that's doing product shipments. Okay. So the podcast is a service or a a content, I guess, is what you would really call it. And I built that website on Squarespace because there's a little bit more flexibility but Bulldog okay. beard oil, you know we ship product. We get orders. I got one right here. As soon as we're off the call, I got to go bring this to the mill uh, the post office. Sure. Um they excel at product shipments. Um, they, they do. excel at ordering um or doing order management. Um you get great discounts on shipping labels. I typically am saving 30 35% per label on my shipping wow. costs. Yeah. So um,
1: that's a big deal.
0: Yeah, it's something to look into. My sh- okay. current, the base Shopify plan is thirty dollars a month, and that's mm-hmm. the. You also build your website there, so you already obviously own your domain. That's yours. You could build a new website and just move your domain over to Shopify. But for thirty dollars, they give you the the tools to build your website, and then they give you all the order management, the analytics, how many people are hitting the checkout button but abandoning their cart, how many people are are even getting that far. Um, sure. They do a lot of cool stuff for that $30, plus they give you the shipping. So it's like at, at a certain point, you could probably run the numbers and say this is what I'm paying for shipping anyway. I do this many orders a month. It's cheaper for me to pay $30 a month to go to Shopify. Sure. So, yeah, sure. it's definitely something that was interesting to me, and, and that's what I did there. And then they helped so integrate Canada.
1: Here, here again, I, you know, we're talking about something, and I learned something again about the – for the business to try and make my life easier and not spend so much. And that's what this whole this whole thing keeps turning. Just one more person, one more person, another piece of information. It's fantastic.
0: Yeah, take a look at Shopify if you're at all yeah. curious about yeah. doing something. Their product um, pages are really easy. You create a product in the background and you upload like however many pictures you want. You write your description. Um, You even put in the weight of your product and that's what it uses to calculate shipping. So you're like, this is the size box I use. This is how much the box weighs. This is how much the product weighs. It remembers that for every order. Um, Okay. And then when you go to build out your like front facing page, you just, it's like click and drag. It's like here, I want to create a product section here. So boom, there's a box. I want it to be this product. So you scroll down and select the product you've already created and then it pulls up all the pictures and it lets people scroll through, add to cart, all that stuff. Yeah. Wow. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. It's pretty sweet.
1: I'll add it to my list.
0: Yeah, that's the, that's the life of an entrepreneur. One more thing on the list. Um, That's pretty funny. So yeah, no, that's awesome. I'd like to, I liked the product when I saw it and I was really excited to hear your story and hear, you know, how you got to where you are. That's what I think is most inspiring is hearing people say it was a challenge, but I did it. And this is what I, I mean, I can tell your excitement, even though we're on a, on a team's call, I can hear yep. you, the excitement and the passion. And I think that's what's inspiring for other people. I mean, you had, a, you had a situation and you found a solution to it. I think almost everyone, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, has had a problem and thought like, oh, there's a better way to do this and this is what it would be. And that's the start that, I mean, you did the hard part right there. Everything else just seems difficult, but once you do it, it's really not that bad.
1: And that's what I would say to anybody who's uh, thinking of, they've got an idea. Don't don't give up on your idea. You know, take it to the next step and the next step because you might have I mean there's so many things out there in this world that have yet to be invented, developed, whatever. And 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 try it. Do it. Um make your dream come true. This is we live in the greatest country in the world. And and um you're you're in a place where you can make your dreams come true and it doesn't matter if you're young or old. I mean, I'm 62 years old and I'm, you know, starting new business and it's keeping me so busy. It's keeping me young. So, you know, it's, 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 pretty awesome. Just to, I love it when people come up with ideas. Why not?
0: Yeah. That's part of the reason the podcast, one of the goals is to get it big enough that not only we're really sharing a lot of knowledge and helping people, but when people come on the podcast, it really makes a difference for their business as well. Kind of, sure. I'd, I'd love to do both. And like you said, yeah, it's never too late. Don't, nope. don't quit. Don't, don't give, just give up. On up. The nope. only way to fail is to stop trying.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so if you want to look at my product guys, go to uh, accurate dash archery.com. And if you have any questions, my phone number's on there and uh, there should be a lot of gallery pictures in there for you and it'll fit left-handed, right-handed bows and any kind of bow. I will help you. So just give me a call.
0: Awesome. And are you in any local retailers if people want to go and pick it up right now?
1: They can go get it at Full Draw, A1 Archery over in Hudson, uh, Average Joe's, Bawana Archery. And if they're in Maui, they can get it at Hawaii Hunters.
0: <laughs> if they're, I'll go to the Maui one. That's funny. You,
1: oh, it's, it's a good spot.
0: <laughs> um, just briefly before we wrap up, what is your experience? What has your experience been with getting into retailers you know, any tips that you have for, for someone that wants to get into a retailer and, and, you know, that's a completely different set of hurdles.
1: Well, I'm in Capra's now and it took me about three months of pestering, I guess you'd call it, the head of the archery shop. And um, he liked the product, He's but but to get to the owner um, to look at the product, it it's such a big store. You know, if you're it's persistence. It's 100% persistence. Um, I I'm, I'm going to one next week. I'm driving to Brainerd, uh, to go to, uh, an archery shop that has three stores and I'm just trying to get in. So just, just keep pushing, you know, be that guy and say, this is a great product. And, And you need to have a mark. Uh, like if they sell my product, what I sell it to them for and what they get to sell it for, they make 43%. So if you're in that 40%, that is that is also going to get you in there. You got to figure out how to get your cost low enough where you still make some money, but they they get that 40 plus percent, and then your odds are a lot better to get into a store.
0: Yeah, that's a great tip. That's one for the record books. 40% try to hit yep. that number if you're trying to work with with retailers and what percentage of your, of your orders are going out the door to direct consumer or retailer? Is it mostly direct to consumer?
1: It's mostly direct consumer. And then the legwork that I'm doing and I'll get it in stores. Like when I, when I, I got it into um, a one archery in Hudson, I mean, he bought a dozen from me, you know, and, and it's, it's getting them in the stores to get them out to the people. And so, um, like I said, exposure, exposure, exposure. And, Those people, they're not going to put it on their shelves if they can't make a good margin on it or if they don't think it's a good product. So, yeah, you got to sell them. You definitely got to be a good salesman.
0: Yep. Go look up some TED Talks on how to sell. There you go. Awesome. (laughs) Well, I appreciate your time, Jim. I love that you you started the business and that you're coming on, sharing the lessons learned and your story. Um, And I want to respect your time and, and let you get back to shipping orders and taking care of the business.
1: Thanks Brian I really appreciate you doing this for me you uh you have a great rest of your day sir
0: Thank you you too